Hello, and welcome to our podcast, our worship service remote for Plains United Methodist Church of Plains and for First United Methodist Church of West Pittston, Pennsylvania. Our scripture lessons for later in the service are 1 Peter 3, 18 through 22, and Matthew 4, 1 through 11. I am Reverend Tenny Hutchinson Rupnick, and my email address is tenhutrup at gmail.com. That's T-E-N-H-U-T-R-U-P at gmail.com. Please send me any prayer requests you have and let me know if they're private in nature or if it's okay to be sharing them on the next week's podcast so that your church family may be praying for you. Our prayer requests for our charge for this week are for continued healing for Craig Davis, for John Eichmann for healing, Brendan, Nick Bear, the family of Ann Wasco, Andy and Andrew, Keith, for Mrs. Riker, Clyde Dukes, Bill Lohman, and Charlie Salvo, for Millie and Mary Ellen, for Joe Williams for healing and recovery, for those children who have been neglected or abandoned by their parents, for those affected by the weather and power outages in Texas, for little Nate Gray, for all our healthcare workers and first responders, all our governmental, civic, and church leaders. I do have a couple of announcements. First United Methodist Church has been holding in-person services once again. Please join them for worship if you're comfortable in doing so. They'd love to have you. And I'm going to read an announcement from the leadership of Plains UMC. This is the same announcement that was attached to the podcast last week, and I'm going to go ahead and read it one last time. Plains UMC in-person worship update. Our leadership team continues to closely monitor the latest guidelines from our bishop, conference, and district officials, and the Pennsylvania Department of Health regarding the reopening of our church for worship. While conditions are improving, we don't want to make any premature decisions and then face the possibility of another closing if conditions worsen. The leadership team meets frequently and has several long and thoughtful discussions regarding this difficult decision. As the vaccines vaccinations increase, please know that the safety and health of our church family is our top priority. It is our hope and prayer that as conditions continue to improve, that we may be able to reopen prior to Easter. We will continue to update you as we know more. Thank you as we continue to navigate this difficult time. The Plains UMC leadership team. This is the first Sunday in Lent, February 21st, 2021. Our first song this morning is For the Beauty of the Earth. I'll be singing verses 1, 4, and 6. And it's number 92 in the hymnal. For the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the skies, for the love which from our birth over and around us lies. Lord of all, to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. For the joy of human love, 
brother, sister, parent, child, friends on earth and friends above, for all gentle thoughts and mild. Lord of all, to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise for thyself best gift divine to the world so freely given for that great great love of thine peace on earth and joy in heaven lord of all to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise our gathering meditation this morning is from Luke 3, 21 through 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. And our invocation. After he was baptized by John, Jesus went by himself to the wilderness where he was tempted. Forty days in the desert, Jesus was tempted to become relevant, spectacular, and powerful. Today we begin to journey with Jesus through the season of Lent, which brings us face to face with some of our own weaknesses and temptations. Let us worship God and walk the journey together, seeking the Spirit as our guide and companion along the way. Our call to worship is from Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, we lift up our souls. O our God, in you we trust. Make us to know your ways, O Lord. Lead us in your truth and teach us. Our God leads the humble in what is right and instructs sinners in the way. In you, O Lord, we place our trust. Our prayer of invocation. God, you know our hearts. You have knitted our innermost being and you know our deepest desires, fears, and worries. Help us to journey during this Lenten season into a new awareness of your presence in our lives. Save us from our own temptations so that we may more freely follow you. And all God's children say, Amen. Let's join together now in our confession of faith as we recite the Apostles' Creed. Let us say what we believe and believe what we say. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. And now we come to the time of our children's message. Okay, so as we get started, I would like you to help me with something today. 
I would like you to imagine that I give you one of your very favorite cookies. Would you like one? <laughs> of course. Well, imagine that I do give you your favorite cookie to hold, but that I tell you not to eat it. I tell you that you can touch it, feel it, you can smell it, but you can't eat it. Imagine that you're holding it up close to your face and smelling it. It's fresh, it's warm, it smells wonderful. You'd want to be eating it, right? Your mouth might start watering a bit. You might even get tempted to take one teeny little bite, even though you know you're not supposed to. Have you ever heard the words tempted or temptation? Do you know what they mean? Being tempted or temptation means you want to do something that you're not supposed to do. Holding on to your favorite cookie, you might be tempted to take a bite of it, even though you were told not to. And of course, eating cookies is not wrong. But if I specifically told you not to do it, then you probably should not be doing it, right? Sometimes it's tempting to disobey or to not listen to our parents, to other adult relatives, to other adults like our coaches or our pastor or teachers. Sometimes we don't want to follow the rules. Sometimes we just want to do what we want to do. It can be very hard to do what we're told. It's no easier for adults, trust me. In fact, by ourselves, doing what we're told can be almost impossible. But guess what? We don't have to obey perfectly all on our own. We can ask God to help us. Did you know that Jesus, God's son, faced temptation? If you keep listening to this podcast, I will read that story from the Bible in just a few moments. Jesus went out into the desert, and for a long time he didn't have anything to eat. Well, that made Jesus pretty hungry. And Satan picked that time to try and make Jesus do things that Jesus knew he was not supposed to do. These were things that might not have been bad on their own, like making bread to eat. But Jesus knew that he should not be listening to Satan. Do you know what Jesus did to get rid of the devil? He used Bible verses. Jesus told Satan that he was going to only listen to the word of God. Jesus used God's word to hit back at those temptations, and eventually Satan went away. Now, it can be hard to do the right thing, but what do you think we can do when we're tempted to do the wrong thing? I'll tell you. We can pray to God for help, and we can read our Bibles. When we know the Word of God, then we know what God wants us to do and how God wants us to behave. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your Bible. Thank you for letting us know the right things to do. Help us to always do those right things when we are tempted to do the wrong things. And all God's children say, Amen. Our next hymn for this morning is Thy Word, number 601 in the hymnal. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When I feel afraid, 
think I've lost my way, still you're there right beside me. And nothing will I fear as long as you are near. Please be near me to the end. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now I will not forget your love for me, and yet my heart forever is wandering. Jesus, be my guide and hold me to your side, and I will love you to the end. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Our prayer for illumination. Calm us now, O Lord, into a quietness that heals and listens. Open wounded hearts to the balm of your word. Speak to us in clear tones so that we might feel our spirits leap for joy and skip with hope as your resurrection witnesses. Help us to truly and fully follow you always and forever. Amen. Our New Testament reading is from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism which this prefigured, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Christ Jesus, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. And our gospel reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, 
it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, and he said to him, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our message for this podcast is entitled, Before the Then. Then. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. The first word we encounter in the scripture reading is the word then. In the Greek, this word is pronounced tote and is best translated as then or at that time. Tote is a friendly little word and was one of my favorites when I was taking Greek in seminary. Greek students grow to love this little word because we see it everywhere. It occurs often in scripture and in all the translating we have to do for our classwork, we have the opportunity to grow very used to it. Unfortunately, there are few words like this. Too many Greek words are puzzles and mysteries that confound. Too many steal sanity and time. But not tote. This short Greek word becomes an old friend quickly because we can actually remember it and read it and do not have to scramble for a lexicon or dictionary to look, a, look it up every time it pops up. But the word tote, or then, is also an important word for the Greek student to notice and understand because it most often serves as a key word in understanding the progression of a tale. You see, it most often serves as a pivotal point in the action of the scriptural narrative. The word then tells us that something important or critical just happened in the tale. Then Goldilocks sat in the second chair. Then Laura Ingalls ran and told her pa. Then the Berlin Wall was torn down. The thens let us know that the first part of the story is necessary to understanding the second part. Why did Goldilocks not stay in the first chair? What might little Laura need to tell her pa? And what is this Berlin Wall? And why was it torn down? In our scripture for this morning, the then which starts out our English versions, the tote which began this section in the Greek manuscripts, points the reader and translator to an important event that came just before. It tells us then Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This then should prompt us to ask, why then? What came before? When we ask questions of the then in Matthew 4.1, we are helpfully invited to read the section which precedes the passage and then to be reminded of the scripture which came directly before it. Let's take another brief look at these preceding verses by turning back a bit into chapter 3. Matthew 3, 13-17 Then Jesus came from the Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. 
and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So Jesus was baptized in the Jordan by John. The heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended, and a voice came from the heavens saying, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The point? Jesus was baptized. This is the important thing which happened before Goldilocks sat in the second chair. This is the action which leads us directly into verse 1 of chapter 4 into the then, which we find there. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. And listen to this. It is no accident that Jesus winds up in the wilderness after his baptism. He is not lost, and he is not being punished for something he has done wrong. Assumptions that we sometimes make about our own wilderness experiences. No, Jesus has been led to the Holy Spirit, led to the wilderness by the Holy Spirit for a purpose. Throughout the scriptures, the wilderness represents a place of preparation, a place of waiting for God's next move, a place of learning to trust in God's mercy. For 40 days and nights, Jesus remains in the wilderness without food, getting ready for what comes next. For 40 days and 40 nights. This number should ring a bell for many of us. It's a number used in scripture to mean a great many. It's kind of a figure of speech or a turn of phrase rather than an actual time measurement. Noah and his family and the animals were in the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. Moses fasted for 40 days and nights on Mount Sinai as he inscribed the words of God's covenant for the Israelites. 40 is the number of the days and nights Elijah is said to have fasted in the desert before receiving a new commission from God. And 40 is the number of years the Israelites wandered in the wilderness in preparation for their arrival in the promised land. Finally, 40 is also the number of days, excluding Sundays, of the season of Lent, as Christians participate in Jesus' ministry and follow his lead toward the cross. We'll return to that point in just a few moments. So, Jesus rises out of the Jordan River, his baptismal waters running from him in streaming rivulets, and then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The wilderness is hot and barren. The hills are dust heaps. The rocks are jagged. The wind howls at night. Jesus is so committed to the call of God's plan on his life that he doesn't even have any food. It's been days, weeks since he has eaten. It's no exaggeration or overstatement when Matthew writes, and afterwards he was famished. So Jesus has been led to the wilderness for preparation. He is fasting. He is praying. Furthermore, the scripture also says that he was led there to be tempted. The silence of his prayer and devotion is broken. His preparatory silence is broken when from somewhere there comes a voice, just a whisper perhaps, but a screaming whisper. If you are God's child, command this stone so that it becomes bread. Jesus well remembers his baptism of a few weeks earlier. He easily recalls John, the river Jordan, the sky opening, and the voice saying, You are my child, the beloved. 
Now he's faced with something different. It's a different kind of voice, one that doesn't say you are God's child, but one rather that throws in a question, a challenge with the words, if you are God's child. This voice is Satan's, and he knows how hungry Jesus is, so he tempts him to an easy shortcut, a quick way to satisfy his hunger. If you think about it, Jesus was the first person to be tempted by fast food. A rounded stone becoming a loaf of pumpernickel, a flat rock becoming a tortilla. Who will it hurt? If he is God's child, then why shouldn't he have what he wants? But Jesus understands the temptation of the easy way. One cannot live by bread alone. Obedience to God is more important than my own comfort. Then Satan tries again like a con man with an arm covered with fake Rolexes. This time it's from the steeple of any Main Street First Church. If you are God's child, throw yourself down. You know that the Bible says God will protect you. Now here's something significant, so pay attention. The first century Jewish people believed that when the Messiah came, he would reveal himself from the temple roof. So here the tempter is playing off those beliefs and is reminding Jesus that he can be the Messiah which the people want. The tempter is telling Jesus to go ahead and make an unforgettable entrance into the world and into the Jewish faith and to mark himself as a great religious teacher of prophecy. The tempter is telling Jesus to skip the hard parts. But Jesus understands the temptation of the easy way and the folly of trying to force the hand of God, and he says... It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. This response quiets Satan temporarily and puts an end to the temple scene. But the screaming whisper doesn't give up. Instead, the deceiver takes Jesus to a very high mountain and offers him palaces and kingdoms and power as he gestures across the land with a dramatic sweep of the arm. Here, the deceiver says, just one little compromise, Jesus of Nazareth, and all this can be yours. Just one little compromise, the tempter says, just worship me and not your God in heaven, and all this can be yours. I honestly think this was the easiest temptation for Jesus to say no to. Up until this point, the devil was friendly enough, cajoling even, like a child on the playground, enforcing some subtle peer pressure, Not yet combative, just seductive and sneaky. I know you're hungry. You shouldn't have to be, you know. You are God's son after all. Just turn these rocks into loaves. It's an awesome trick, and I know you can do it. And later, your dad is so cool. I heard he'll let no harm come to you. Let's take this huge leap and see. It'd be fun. But now... Now the sweet talk and flattery slide away. Now the sheep's clothing comes off the wolf. And because Satan cannot help himself, his true character starts to show through and Satan hisses his true desire as he says, worship me. As he tempts Jesus to betray his father in heaven and venerate the adversary instead. Yeah, it may have been a bit easier for Jesus at this point to send Satan packing as he responds, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. At this, the adversary retreats from Matthew's narrative, but Jesus never stopped being tempted. Jesus faced the same temptation to compromise, 
the same enticement to concession which we face in our daily lives. And it would be all too easy for me at this point to preach to you from this podcast, you must resist temptation as Jesus did. But I'm not going to go there. It would be a nicely wrapped up sermon, I guess, just to be here and say, be like Jesus and do not give in to the screaming whispers of the deceiver. But this seems less than helpful. Because while these calls to action are important and entirely true, we do, after all, give in to temptation every single day. And we are not Jesus Christ. We could never be tempted like Jesus Christ or know what he faced or how he resisted. And in the face of our own wildernesses, somehow, knowing that Jesus was so good and so strong, well, it's reassuring in its way, but that was Christ, wasn't it? So the knowledge doesn't always touch our own struggles or really help us that much. One of our friends, one of our sisters in Christ in one of the churches of our charge, lost her husband recently. Her children lost their father. Many others of you have lost old friends and loved ones recently. All of us have dealt with losses in this pandemic. How would it do then for me to, to stand here and in the face of our grief and shock and pain and for me to say, this is just another wilderness of our lives. You'll get through it. Just send Satan packing. Well, it wouldn't do at all. Because those words don't acknowledge the very real pain because those words are thoughtless and weak. Some of our congregants deal day in and day out with the illness of depression, others with a constant lack of money, others with health challenges or children who have cut them out. Some suffer in unhappy marriages or family relationships. Others grieve in the loss after loss after loss, which is called old age. We're tired. We hurt. These wildernesses are a shock to our systems and a smack in the face of our trust and faith. We don't want cheap theological platitudes. We want answers and comfort, and we want to be reassured that even though we feel all alone, that our Heavenly Father has not left us, has not forsaken us, has not cursed us. We want God to sing a love song into our ears so that we know our Lord is there so that the sound of God's voice will drown out the screaming whisper that tempts us to take the easy road and self-medicate through food, entertainment, or spending, to cut off the screaming whisper that urges us to second-guess God's promise that we are his children, to shut up the screaming whisper that pressures us to put God to the test, to have more faith in our own abilities than the Lord's, And to take that one step away from our God, a step which the tempter knows is all too easily followed by another and another. Now listen to this. You see, no matter what our individual wildernesses are, we are always at a pivotal point in our own story. No matter what our challenges are, we're always at a pivotal point in our own story. We are always at a Greek tote, at the English then, And it is so important for us, as Christians and facing this then, to remember what happened before that point. We must never fail to ask ourselves, what in our lives came before? What is the important part of the story which the tote or the then links us to? 
as we did in seeking to understand what brought Jesus to the then at the beginning of this scripture. It is of the utmost importance that we flip back a page or two in our own stories, as we did with this Mathean narrative about Jesus. It is everything that we look before this then of the wilderness and remember our own baptism, our own blessing of the Holy Spirit, our own experiences with God's voice. As our Lord looks down upon us again and again and again in our lives and says, this is my child with whom I am very well pleased indeed. So that then, even though we may still be standing up to our ankles in the sand of our own wilderness, then, even though we are plodding along after Christ toward Jerusalem and the cross and the tomb, then we will remember who we are and whose we are, a beloved child of God who does have to walk, suffer, and die along the path of our discipleship from time to time, but whose story will never end with death. Remembering that our stories, as beloved children of the Most High God, that our stories will instead always be concluded in a different way altogether, that they will always end with resurrected hope and an empty tomb. So this Lenten season, look before this tote, look before your then, and remember your identity as God's own as we walk through our own wilderness times. Remembering that this wilderness of Lent's 40 days, that all the wildernesses of our living, remembering that they ultimately represent a place of preparation, a place of waiting for God's next move, a place of learning to trust in God's mercy. 40 days and nights of us remaining in the wilderness and getting ready as we wait for what God will do next. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. O God, you have spoken to us today through this word of faith. Embolden us through your Spirit as we undertake our personal Lenten journeys, as we remember and feel remorse over our sinful natures, yes, but also as we return to that empty tomb, and remember your promise to free us from the bondage of sin and death. And all God's children say, Amen. Our next hymn this morning is one that I'm going to read, 268, Lord, Who Throughout These Forty Days. Lord, who throughout these forty days for us didst fast and pray, Teach us with these to mourn our sin and close by thee to stay. As thou with Satan didst contend and didst the victory win, O give us strength in thee to fight, in thee to conquer sin. As thou didst hunger, bear, and thirst, so teach us, gracious Lord, to die to self and chiefly live by thy most holy word. And through these days of penitence and through this passion tide, yea, evermore in life and death, Jesus with us abide. Abide with us, that so this life of suffering overpassed, an Easter of unending joy, we may attain at last. At this point in our podcast, we remember our call to support our churches with our time, 
our talents, and our treasure. And so I say now, as I say every week, just as our almighty God gave entirely of God's self for our sakes, we are likewise called to give up of ourselves for the sake of others. Let us pray. God Almighty, we bring ourselves before you. Help us to journey during this Lenten season into a new awareness of your presence in our lives. Save us from our own temptations so that we may more freely follow you and more generously give of ourselves to others. Help us to journey through this Lenten season in an imitation of your Son, our Christ. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above, ye heavenly host. Praise, Creator Christ and Holy Ghost. Amen. And now, as we have so gathered, not together in body physically, but still together as the body of Christ, let us bend the knees of our hearts and bow our heads before our Creator, Sustainer, and Lord in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, hear our prayer. When we call, answer us. O Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord, hear our prayer. Come and listen to Merciful God, full of grace, hear our prayers of confession and our prayers of need in these next few moments of silence. O Lord Almighty, lift us up into your presence and let us feel your nearness as we come toward you for worship and turn to your word. Calm our fears, O God. Open our minds, O Lord. Make us as ready to receive as you are to give. Help us to accept the blessing you extend to us through this morning's song, scripture, and sermon. Capture our hearts with your grace and drive out the fear and anxiety, the failures and compromises of this past week. Father God, we should have no words adequate to the task of expressing how blessed we feel when we look around and see sisters and brothers, people who share our faith, friends who have shared our joys and sorrows. When we look at the cross and see a symbol of your commitment to our salvation and your amazing, amazing grace. When we look in the Bible and see that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and that you search for us when we are lost and that you celebrate with the angels when we are found. Help us, Lord, find ways to express our gratitude to you and to others. Help us to bless the world with our words and deeds. Help us to share the gospel of your love and to welcome those who respond to it. Lord, we know we live in a troubled world. We have taken the beauty you have given us and have treated it carelessly. Now there is disorder where you created order. There is discord where you created harmony. There is filth where you created purity. And there is ugliness where you created beauty. 
Forgive us, we pray, for our part in the destruction of what you have made. Lord, be with us now as we turn to your word with hope. May we not be spiritually unreachable or go away hungry from this holy feast. Give us such confidence in your abiding care that we will live boldly and serve freely as you call us to serve. We thank you this day for the many answers to prayer that we have already been given. Guide and protect us. Care for and direct us. Now and forever we pray. And now in your son's precious name we pray as he taught us to, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our next hymn is number 174. His name is Wonderful. 174 in the hymnal. His name is wonderful, His name is wonderful, His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. He is the mighty King, Master of everything. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. He's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages. Almighty God is he. Bow down before him, love and adore him. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. His name is wonderful, his name is wonderful, his name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. He is the mighty King, master of everything. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. He's a great shepherd. The rock of all ages, Almighty God is He. Bow down before Him, love and adore Him. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. Before we take our leave now of one another from this podcast and into our week, may we recite the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born into eternal life. Amen. 
In this Lenten season especially, we need to see, feel, and share God's presence and peace. Let God's love live in our hearts, and may we share it with all whom we meet. Amen. Shalom to you now. Shalom, my friends. May God's full mercies bless you, my friends, in all your living and through your loving. Christ be your shalom. Christ be your shalom. Oh.